So I remember when I was five, I went to visit one of my aunts and she sent me to go and buy something. And when I left, there was just this man. I can never forget his face. I remember seeing where this man took me to an uncompleted building. Like he, it's, it's till today. I think I just want to thank God because it's, it was a spiritual battle for me. It wasn't just physical. Yes. It wasn't just physical. Sexual abuse is not something that just happens physical. Like it happens physically, but there are a lot of spiritual consequences that you face. Hi, I'm Alima. I'm a Christian. Most of my friends know me as a playful and cheerful lady. Well, they're right. Some may also know me as a storyteller, and that's basically because of how fascinating stories can be to me. From being a little girl that battled a lot with peer pressure and growing up with various health complications, from everyday stress to having a skin infection which lasted for over seven years. Wow, that's all right. I glow now and forever. I enjoy processes a lot. I find strength in journey too. Purpose in every pain will bring us closer to answers to our whys. Until you see the purpose in your pain, it will remain painful. The key factor here is process. We listen and learn from these journeys. Also walk through it. Whatever steps that may be needed or taken to one's use, we'll take, we use, we'll tell, we'll learn, we grow. This podcast is produced by Revivalist Tech, a team committed to providing digital and multimedia support and platforms to God-given visions. Hello, everybody. And we're back to Purpose in Every Pain. I guess you're all doing well because I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. And most especially, I think I am so excited about this episode. I don't know how the week has really been for you, but I hope you've been keeping safe. And I do hope that you've been involving God in everything too. Today, we have a special guest in the house. A very, very special one to me. Her name is Boma Hayika. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. And she's a lady in her early 20s from the south-south part of Nigeria. That is River State. And she has a BSc in Banking and Finance. And um, a PGD in Journalism. Boma has a great passion for media. And she's also a presenter in the making. She's the first child and only girl. She's not your normal girl because she doesn't have a normal God. Now, I like this part. She's a proud child of God. Um, She loves to write. She's a good listener, a music lover. She likes to read inspirational books. She likes to have um, deep conversations. And finally, she loves to love and talk about affections. <laughs> this is really, really amazing. So, Ms. Buma, thank you for coming. Um, Thank you so much, Halima. This is a very um great opportunity to be here. A very, very great opportunity to be here. So when Halima told me, oh, but I want you to come and speak on my show, I was like, okay, I need to tell your story. And I was asking myself, do I have a story? I know I have a story, but I've never thought about it. Like mm-hmm. I've never sat down to think about my story. But I think that my story has not ended yet. I mm-hmm, still, true. I'm still in the process. So thank you for this opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you for coming too. So would you like to say anything about yourself right now? Um, you basically said it all. Mm. Like the line I always give, I'm not a normal girl because <laughs> I don't serve a normal That's girl. That's funny. I love that because people tell me that I'm not normal. People always say, why do you like doing things different? Why are you always different from everyone? I was like, my God is different, so mm. I have to be different. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's all about myself. She has actually said everything. I love to write. I'm a music lover. I'm a poet. I love to talk. Mm. I love love. Mm. It's weird, <laughs> but yes. I love, I love having deep conversations. And um, so basically, that's all about me for now. Mm, that's amazing thank you thank you for that okay now so let's move down to the deal of the day your story i know you shared um few parts of it with me but i want every listener to listen to the deep aspect of it so you can go ahead okay so yeah my story is um a very interesting and complicated one so um i don't know where to start from actually but most of the things i'm saying right now this is like the first time i'm sharing my story with anyone there are a lot of things i'm not even my parents will never know my story funny enough so i'm just a girl i'm the first child of my mom though my dad has um other children outside but for my mom i'm the first child so i 
my birth was quite complicated very very complicated my mom carried me for six months i came out premature and i had to be in the incubator for three months it's so funny because then my dad did not have money to pay the hospital bill so what he had to do was i had to take care of all the babies in the incubator <laughs> for the three months and um the doctor was like i was not going to make it i was so tiny very very tiny like they couldn't even feed me they had to put a tube through my mouth to feed me so the doctor was like my mom should keep on praying that i might not survive it so after three months all of a sudden two weeks later i became a very fat baby like i was so fat my mom said people were always like if they have to carry me it has to be turn by turn <laughs> that was how it was how my dad turn by turn and all so growing up um as a child i had so many experiences my parents were not like they were so busy. It's not like they had a work that was very, very busy. But my parents had the kind had the hustling spirits. Mm. My dad wasn't seriously working. He was more into clothing. He used to go to a bar to import clothes and sell for central bank, like the bankers then. And that was why he really wanted me to study banking after <laughs> My mom was a graduate though, but then she just finished serving and she was looking for jobs. So what she started doing was to sell okay clothes. Mm. So most of the time, my mom drops me with family members. So, and I had a lot of male cousins. I grew up with a lot of family members and they're an uncle, an auntie, a neighbor, my mm. mom's friend and all that. So I remember when I was five, I went to visit one of my aunts and she sent me to go and buy something. And when I left, there was just this man. I can never forget his face. I remember seeing where this man took me to an uncompleted building. Like he, it's it's till today. I think I just want to thank God because it's it was a spiritual battle for me. It wasn't just physical. It wasn't just physical. Sexual abuse is not something that just happens physical. Like it happens physically, but there are a lot of spiritual consequences that you face. Mm. So apparently, to cut the long story short. I went there and whatever. I was young and the man was trying to finger me. I don't feel bad when I talk about it because mm -hmm. I'm over it. I don't feel pain. I don't feel mm -hmm. the way I was feeling years back and all. So I didn't understand. So when I got back home, I was in pain and I expected my aunt to know that I was in pain. He told me something. He said, if I tell anyone I was going to die, that was the only thing I remember vividly well. And I can never forget his face. I've never seen that man before. Apart from that day, I don't know if he's still alive or anything. So after that, there's something I realized about being sexually abused. When you're once being sexually abused, it's like you become a prey. Everybody sees you and that's how it continues, especially when you don't tell anyone about it. After that, I had another experience growing up. It became like I was meeting people that wanted to abuse me. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a day um, we went for a family get-together. It was my mom's friend's brother. And I was a kid that everybody liked carrying. Everybody liked being around me, especially male people. So this guy took me to his room and all of a sudden he was trying to touch me. And I knew because I've experienced this before. I was like, how old were you now? I was, I think I was six or seven. I was like, uncle, I do not like this thing you're doing. And he kept on forcing me. Then I left the room. But I couldn't say anything. I was just, I couldn't tell anyone. Mm. I don't know if I felt ashamed. I didn't even understand how I felt when I was little then. I couldn't explain my feelings, but I couldn't just tell anyone. I just kept it to myself. So it just kept on becoming a habit. Till the fact that I had cousins, male cousins that were my age mates. Then growing up, I realized that I started doing some funny things with my cousins. I became so okay with it. I'm telling you. We'll be acting, you know, when you act little cousins to act drama together, and mm -hmm. I and my cousin will be kissing. Oh, I thought it was normal, but it wasn't actually a normal thing. It was just, it just kept on happening and happening and happening. And there was this particular of my cousin that I was so attached to. Like, we were so close. Our parents used to think that, oh, we loved ourselves so much and everything, but they didn't understand what we used to do. And as a then, I think I was like 10. Then I was about entering secondary school. That was how we separated. And I'm happy that separation happened because imagine me growing up with him being that? around me. Mm. So I I realized that I was, I liked my cousin so much. I thought it was I loved my cousin. I thought it was just a normal love, but I I I had that other kind of love for my cousin too, mm. apart from the brotherly and sisterly mm. love. So when I got into high school, my just one, I came back. I think something happened between my mom and his mom, and that was how we split it. My mom would say, "You're never going there again," and I was not happy. Sometimes I would cry. That was how for years I didn't even get in contact with this my cousin till I got into university. So, and that also affected my 
self-esteem, my low self-esteem. When I was in primary school, I was very quiet. People used to make fun of me. Oh, you're so fat. Or, oh, you're so black. Because my mom's a Ghanaian. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you're so black. Oh, your lips are so big. Those kind of funny comments as a yeah. kid. So I was very quiet. And I had a very, I had a very fat seatmate. He was a bully. So there was a day he pinched me and I got angry. So I started to sharpen a pencil and I kept it on the chest. When he sat down, it pierced Ooh. him. He reported me to my mom. That day, my mom was, she told me, my mom do not beat kids. So she just told me to kneel down and she was like, am I possessed? What is wrong with me? How would I do that? I didn't even say that. I wasn't even feeling bad. Mm. She even said I should apologize. I, I didn't feel bad to apologize. I was like, this guy bullies me and nobody said anything about it. Mm. And she would ask me, do they bully you? I won't say anything. I would just keep quiet. I At that point, I felt like I could handle my issues on my own. Mm. Being little that much. I would tell my mom that, my mom, I would be like, I'll be talking to myself in my head. And, You're not always there. I do everything by myself. So why should I even tell you that I'm being bullied? It's not like you would do anything about it. So along the line, I got into high school. And when I entered Jerson, I had a friend. I was a day student in my Jerson. But from my Jerson to my accessory, I was a border. I was budding. So I met this girl. I'll never forget. I didn't even know if she liked me. But she was my friend. She never let anybody talk to me. She would send me a message. She would tell me to go and buy snacks for her. We always have issues. Sometimes I would come back. She would slap me. And I can't do anything about it. No jokes. I can't do Sometimes I'll go back home. I don't want to go to school because of her. Hmm. And she was the only friend I had. Everybody would be like, ah, don't touch her. This is, this is, this is princess friend. Don't touch her. Because I knew it was princess and I even it was Chidema. This is, a, so it was just different. So, and it was also affecting my grades. I wasn't doing well in school. They had to invite my parents. That my chest one. So apparently that day, it was in the office. They were asking me. I couldn't even say anything. I went home. My parents were asking me. I couldn't even say that. I was just keeping numb. My dad said, she needs to go to a boarding school. Since she doesn't want to talk, let her go to a boarding school. I felt sad. They said they were taking me to Calabar. Mm. And my mentality that Calabar is a village. <laughs> so apparently, I went to this high school. The first day I got into that school, I was crying. I was so fat, none of the school uniform could size me. That was how bad it was. I was wearing my moth tee for like three days. So they had to sew another screen from for me. Three years. So when I got into the hostel that day, it was different. I met some people because there's a difference between junior hostel wear and the senior hostel. So the junior wear is a gown and the senior wear, they wear a skirt and a blouse. So I met this other junior. So they were so big. So I thought maybe they were my seniors. Maybe they were like in just three or something. But I just knew that they were higher than me. But they were wearing um gown with yeah, me too. Yeah. So they were just asking me questions. So where are you from? This or this. And one of them, she was also from Port Harcourt. The next day I saw this woman in my class. Because that day, that day they were talking to me like um, you know, this is how they were just doing me like they were they were like my senior. <laughs> they even told me that I should go and fetch water. Wow. Kind of the next day I got into class, I saw these two girls in my class and I was like <laughs> so in my class. But when I got into the school I had a guardian, Mrs. Olara Raju. I'll never forget her. Shout out to Miss Solara. She has relocated to the UK. Yeah. That woman was, she was our home economics teacher. She was my guardian. So I was so quiet. I don't used to still talk. People don't talk to me like that. So one day she called me to her office and she asked me what was wrong with me. And I couldn't even say anything. And she shouted at me like, what is wrong with you? You're too quiet for a, for a young girl. Blah, blah, blah. She was just... It's like she brought out the other side of me and she told me that I should let, I should stop letting people bully me. I should be bold enough. I should start. And I went back to the hostel that day and I kept on reciting the words she said to me. Wow. And the next day I woke up, I was a different person. I woke up to class. I entered into the class and I was asking somebody for something and they were shocked. And that was I started making friends. Wow. I became different overnight. I never let anyone talk to me anyhow. I became very bold and I told myself I'm tired of letting people press me down and mm. the good thing that i went to a boarding school that they took um exercise is a very serious thing so i lose weight like my first time the uniform they bought for me <laughs> i had to change it by second time i was slim my mom came to school and she started weeping i said my daughter I said, i'm not suffering you just exercise <laughs> because they were feeding us well but at the same time we're they always were yes we're always working out and all so I cherish high school a lot because that was one of my best experiences. I met a lot of amazing people. And this was a different school. This was more, the school was more leveled. It was more expensive. And there were more kids that I expected to be proud. Do you understand? Mm, But they were different. They were nice. They were friendly. They were just totally different from the other school I went to. The other school I went to was just a mere secondary school. 
<laughs> it was more like a, it wasn't a government school, it was a private school, but it, it felt like it was a government school and so much bully and so, so much of roadside people are in the school and all that. But this school was quite different. It was, it was loving. There was just this unity with us as classmates and all that. So I became different and it also affected my studies. When I first entered, we had A, B, C, D. So they put it according to your positions. Mm. So when I entered, I was in D class. So every time, if you do better, you go back. See my dress too. By third time, I, I entered into B class. Wow. So by the next time I moved into C class, it was like that. So I was just so happy and it was different. When I got back home, I was no more the shy kid anymore. Hmm. And in church, the people knew me as a shy kid. I don't talk. But when I came to church, I was different. I was bold. And my mom was a Sunday school teacher. So most of the time she picks up on me that I don't talk, I'm quiet and all that. But it was all because of the experiences I had, the things mm. that I went through. I couldn't even tell anyone. But the thing is that I thought I had forgotten about those things. I was green and, you know, you got into senior high, things are changing, puberty starts and yeah. all that. And you hear your friends talking about boyfriend, things were happening mm-hmm. in class and all that. But I never liked boys. I always want to fight boys. Like a boy cannot tell me, shut up. I will insult you. I don't even know why I get angry. I always get angry at boys in class. I always talk back at them and all that. There's a point that they were, my, one of my class boy told me I was a lesbian. That's why I, all like... the boys in the class, they would write me letter. I will tear the letter. All those kind of funny thing. <laughs> and I didn't understand why. I just stopped. But I had brothers. I had male cousins. Mm-hmm. And I was nice to them. But outside those category of guys, I'm always very timid towards them so when i entered uni when i entered uni that was the first time i had a boyfriend and it was funny because i had a boyfriend because everybody was having a boyfriend mm-hmm. i thought it was a trending thing i thought it was it was something that would make you cool because i entered uni when i was 16 so i thought it was something that would make you very cool and all that's when i entered uni everybody's having a boyfriend even when i was in high school my classmates had boyfriends well i wasn't just interested in it and all that but I started noticing changes in my body. I started noticing. So there was this particular guy I met. That was the first time I'm seeing a guy and I felt different. I was mm. soft towards him. So I knew that I liked this guy. But the thing is that he was way older than me. Like, he wasn't even in my school because I schooled in Ghana, Central University. So he wasn't in my school. And um, I just met him and went for a party. And he was doing his master's in a different school and all. So we started talking and started having conversation and he was doing the same course I was doing. Talking about doing banking and finance, I never wanted to do banking and finance. <laughs> you know, when you finish high school, they ask you what do you want to become. I was never a kid that knew what I wanted to become. It's so funny how kids knew. I want <laughs> to be a doctor. I want to be... I never knew anything about what I wanted to become. But when I was in high school, I loved reading novels. I mm. loved reading romance novels. But the mm. funny thing is that I loved reading romance novels, but I wasn't a lovable person. I wasn't. Like, when I hear people talking about love, I get irritated. But I love reading the books. It was just so weird. So when my dad told me I should do accounting, I said, mm, I'll choose banking and finance. Because me, I didn't like maths. I was good in maths, but I didn't like it. I just knew how to do maths. But it wasn't yeah. fun for me. So I said, okay, maybe my parents know better. So I chose that was how I chose banking and finance. So it was in school I realized I had passion for media. Apparently, I don't know if it was God's work, but I was with friends. All my friends were basically doing mass communication so when they come up come back and talk about their their lectures i'll i have interest i'll be i'll be looking at their book and all that i'll be reading their stuff i don't realize that this course is very interesting so i called my father and my 200 level i called him one day i said daddy please i want to switch over to mass he not told me if you switch i would never pay your fees anymore he said the people that are doing banking and finance do they have two heads because i told him that it was tough it wasn't that it was tough but i wasn't enjoying it mm. i didn't have passion for it i was just going to school to learn to pass i wasn't learning mm. to know so i realized that i wasn't enjoying it. i said daddy i just want to switch because in your level 100 and 200 you're allowed to switch courses when you what enter you? when you get into 300 you can't you're switch not. anymore so i said okay all i have to do now is to pass because i just need to pass so but I kept on being close to my mass communication so friends. Yes, I continued banking and finance. But I was always involved in anything media. So in school, when they are doing things like entertainment, okay. I'm always involved. I want to go for all those kind of stuff. I yeah. want to talk. And it was in school I realized that I loved writing. So most of the time, I couldn't express myself. So I express myself by writing. Write. So I would just come back. If I have a bad day, I would just be writing it. Mm. So it was one of my friends that saw it one day and told me, you're a writer. Why don't you just start writing? And then I just knew how to put words in place. 
I just, I can just sit down and think about something. And I just form it. And my friend will tell me that this is a poem. I think you're a poet and all that. And I'll be like, oh. to me, I'm just writing. Oh. Mm. I didn't really have so much interest in it. I was just like, I just felt like it was a hobby. It was something I enjoyed doing. Four years in school, I had so much experience. Again, having to make friends. And um, I, when I entered uni, I asked God, God, I want good friends. But sometimes God will allow you to meet some certain people because it needs you to learn something. Mm. So I had some kind of funny friends. I was, I was a friend that if everybody's talking about someone, I'm the only one that my own talk goes out. <laughs> I'm the only one that my own talk, everybody hears about. And I'm always the battle. But I was a very defensive person. Like, you can't talk down on me. Mm. Even if you guys are 10, I will answer all of you one by one. So people felt like, oh, she's so bold. She's ah, that one. She just likes trouble. No, I know where I'm coming from. So I don't like people oppressing me. Even if I am wrong, I will still try my best to defend myself in my wrongness. I will still defend myself. <laughs> that was the kind of person. And I always defend my friends. So that was what my friends got to love me about. I had a very close friend and it was Koinsola. That was how I started liking Yoruba people. She was the first Yoruba friend I ever had. So we became roommates and that was how we became friends. She too was suffering the same thing I was suffering. Mm-hmm. Low self-esteem. She had a friend that used to always talk to her anyhow. So I was the one that came in between those people's friendship, destroyed the friendship. Mm-hmm. I always stood up for her most of the time. So I had so many experiences in school. So when I finished school, I wanted to serve. And that was when I, I just, something, I just woke up on money. I, I used to always um, listen to radio and I love radio a lot. So I was like, I want to be a journalist. That was all I said, I would like to go to school again and become a journalist. It was so funny. I just told my mom one day, I said, Mommy, I think I have passion for journalism. She said, oh, it's possible because you write a lot. And I was like, Mommy, I would like to go to school again. Let me not go for service here because I finished school at about 2021. I'd like to go back to school again. Let me study mass communication for four years. She was like, do you have money? I said, Mommy, <laughs> I was, and apparently I was saving money from school, from uni. I said, Mommy, at least wow. I have little money. I was saving money. Then she was like, okay. Let's see. Let's try open university or the school. You don't need to. You can't. You can't start going back to university again. Mm. So fortunately, I was checking online and I fell into NIG, Nigerian um, Institute of Journalism. Wow. So it was a PGD program. So it's an OND. So if you already have a degree, you can apply with your degree instead of going through. Um, OND, HND, and all that. You oh, just do the PGD. That's okay, the postgraduate okay. degree. So I applied. And that was when I went to journalism school. It was very, it was a nice one-year experience. So it was stressful because I was seven at the same time. So I was doing it as an evening program. It was amazing because I was the youngest person in class. <laughs> I was the youngest. Everybody there were older than me. And they really loved me. Like, they were experienced people. One was a presenter at Beat FM. The other one was working at TVC. The other one was working on an online channel. One was working in University of Portacourt um, Media. He was a lecturer. So it was a very nice experience. So immediately I finished, I was hearing so much about going into FRC and Federal Radio Corporation of Nigeria. National Broadcast Academy in Lagos that she come for it and all that. So that was how I heard about it. And I went to Treasure FM. So I went there, I wrote the exam. They said, you only have to pass the exam. That's how you can get the admission. So I did write the exam and all. And then that was how I came into Lagos. Okay. I would I would like you to stop here because I have some questions. Your story is a very intriguing one because moving from one part to another, I just feel like it has different face. It has different faces. But let me ask you this question. There's one thing I've been noticing is that people that are going through a difficult um, phase in their life, why is it that they usually alienate themselves? It's like they just isolate themselves. Whenever they are going through um, maybe low self-esteem, maybe this, they are always found in one corner. They don't tend to um, mix up with other people. Why do that happen a lot? So apparently, I cannot reply this question without adding God into it. <laughs> so I love that. As a child of God, you shouldn't even be lonely. You mm. shouldn't be having. See, the devil wants us to be lonely. The devil wants us to go through low self-esteem. Those things are not good things. So it's obviously going to set you apart. Basically, living in this world is supposed to be a relationship. Mm. Because even with God, it's a relationship. So when you set yourself apart... The devil is easy. Like he's looking for where to, he's always around seeking for who to divorce. So he's mm. there putting voices in your head. But when you're around people, I can be around you and I can be thinking something different about myself. And you just say something different. And it reminds me that, oh, 
actually I can do this. Oh, I'm yeah. better. She said this and all that. So most of the time, people that struggle with these things have to say themselves. It's low self-esteem. I do not love myself. I think people are better than me. So obviously I have to set myself apart. I can't be around people. It's hard. Mm. And this this thing is more of a fault from our parents. That is why I hope that we become better parents. Our parents are not observant. Our parents are not really sensitive. Some parents, let me say all parents. Mm. Some parents, they're not sensitive. They're not observant. Always look at your child. Look at, you have to know what your child loves and what your child does not love. You should know when your child is going through something your child is not going mm. through. You have to have that relationship with your child. Most parents do not have relationship with their children. That's why they can't even open up. I didn't have relationship with my parents. I didn't come back from school. My mom would ask me how was, school, was school today. Mm. So, those were things. So, I come back and I expect my mom to ask me, how are you? How are you today? But nobody asked me. So, I just keep it to myself. I'm like, I don't have anyone to talk to. Hmm. You get. And I had a very street father. Oh, very, very street. And <laughs> the way he treats children, like, as if they're adults. So hmm. I was always treated like an adult. I was expected to do this. I was expected to know this. You're supposed to know this. You're supposed to know that. I'm hmm. like, how am I supposed to know this? I'm young. How am I supposed to know it? So yeah, that's what actually makes people be lonely. Okay. Actually. Thank you for that. Now, coming from your childhood and your adulthood. Now, basically, I know your childhood was converted straight up to adulthood for you do you think it was a nice experience for you or would you give everything back now to take back your childhood no i won't because my experience is what has made me where i am today Mm. if i didn't have to go through these things i don't think i'll be where i am today Mm. or i don't think i would have been able to see life the way i see life now Mm, it was it was just all it was there's something there's something called process it was all just part of the process Mm. Even till now, I'm still in the process. There's some things that happen to me now and I can't even question it. But later in the future, I'll be able to give, not like I'll be able to give answers, but I'll understand why I had to go through this process. So it's just all part of the process, you know, because there are some people that cannot relate to your story. Some people can't understand what you're talking about because they don't even know. They don't have Mm. this experience. They can't even figure it out. So when you talk, they're like, oh, she would have done it this different way. Or, oh, Mm. uh, this, 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 and all that. Yeah, so. Thank you for that. I used to have this conversation with a friend when it comes to parenting. And um, he talks to me about um, having a girl child and the attentiveness that he gives to the girl child, even while she's so young, like the things that she does and every other thing. And I'm wondering, why do you have to do this all of the time? And it goes back saying to me that having a girl child already born into this world is like a minus one is a disadvantage already because there's a lot attached to it. There's a lot of disadvantages and challenges attached to being a girl child, but hearing this from you and even trying to manage that with the aspect of parents and every other thing it is really so amazing okay now i want you to tell me what was the response uh, that you got because as a child there was a little um, attention given to you what were other sources that you decided to get the love and the validation from because you needed this from your parents but it was not available what were those other sources that you were looking for i think first was the place of being lonely Mm. i just wanted to be on my own that's to me that was like the best place to be most of the time but i want to thank god for friends because ah, god has brought an amazing people into my life mm. like amazing people but in my childhood what i was holding on to was reading of books like i said i really love reading mm. books so i will carry my mom's inspirational books and i'll be reading i didn't understand them but i knew what they were talking about they give about. a sense of satisfaction yes. and also i just always always be on my own i I want to give a credit to my mom. My mom tried so much. It's not like she she wasn't there. She tried her best. But imagine coming from a home where you have a father that doesn't care and a father that does not know how to show love, a father that is not treating your mother well. So it was she was she was trying to be a father and she be was, a mother hmm. at the same time. So I was trying to assist. I was okay. I was her friend. I was if she wants to cry, me she's crying too. I'm little. My mother is crying to me, and I'm like, what's going on? What's here? going on here? You get. She's already giving you responsibility. So I, I was, I, I, I was always trying to. I always wanted to help her out, especially when it came to my brothers. When my brothers came into the world, I was the one that basically took care of my brothers. I actually put an eye on them because 
I knew what I've experienced and I didn't want them to experience them. And we always focus so much on girl's child, but we don't focus on the men because mm. if we focus on the boy's child, I don't think the girls will be experiencing what they're experiencing. Mm. Who does rape most of the time is the boys. Our parents who don't focus on their boys. They don't, they don't teach their boys how to respect a woman. They don't teach their boys what a woman is. They don't teach their boys to understand that a woman's body should be respected. A woman's body is something that you should take permission before touching before. it. Her body does not define her or anything because of she's a woman means that she can be used or she could be talked to anyhow. Mm, but you won't blame them. Me, I, I came from a home where my father does not respect my mom. He can talk to my mom anyhow. And he can be sort of, And we are seeing it as mm. kids. So I didn't grow up hating my dad, but I grew up desiring that my father's mm. love. So that was what I took him to uni. So when I met this guy, I was expecting him to be a father. I expected him to treat me so well. I expected him to treat me very right. And funny enough, he did. He did very well. Like he did well because the good thing was that he had an experience. He was a pastor child and we talked about it. And the thing was that I was now being, I was also meeting people that were sexually abused, but I never used to tell them my story. So when they tell me their story, I'm like, wow, you experienced this. I never said anything. I'm like, God, it's so sad. <laughs> I can feel your pain. But they think maybe I'm just consoling, but I understood. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I used to meet people. So I used to hear their stories. When I was in school, I had friends that were addicted to sex and all that. All falls back to being sexually abused. That's what sexually abuse can do to you. My was, I was being very timid to guys. Then at some point, I started having dreams. I started seeing this man in my dream. It just started happening in a particular phase of my life. I think my fourth year in school, 2015, 2016, I just started seeing this guy in my dreams. I'll be sleeping and I'll see him in the window. And I'll be like, what do you want from me? So it became, now it was now, it was now a spiritual battle. And the good thing that when I was in school, I gave my life 2014. Like I was a Christian, yes, I used to go to church. I grew up in the church. My mom and church were five and six. I never used to miss church for anything. So when I got into uni, I still had a habit of going to church. Well, going to church doesn't mean I was a believer. Mm-hmm. So I just used to go to church. So it was 2014. I gave my life to Christ in Christ Embassy. Someone just invited me to her church. I was attending the school church. So I, she just invited me. And that day, it was like the message was for me. It was It was talking about how because of our experiences, we want people to suffer based on what we have experienced. So I was not talking in my mind. I was like, I do not even know how to love people. I was just that day. I was like, I really want to love people rightly. I don't mm. need people to suffer what I suffer. Instead, let me be able to heal people yeah. from what they have been through. So that was the day I gave my life to Christ. I started becoming closer to God, but I still did not really understand what it means to have, so a, relationship have a relationship with God. I just yeah. thought it was all about going to church, making sure that you participate in things in church, working for God. But I didn't have that personal relationship because in school, I started speaking in tongues too. Mm. Immediately I finished school, I was now more focused on the church my parents were attending. Mm. That's where I grew up, Dogsa Family Church. And I went through the School of Wisdom classes. So that was where I was getting to learn more about having a relationship with God. Then I joined choir and it changed my life because it was different. Yeah, so because most of the time we come for rehearsals, mm-hmm. we always have prayers, we always talk about a lot of things. I started going for vigils and all that. So it was different. So there was a day, there was a vigil. That was the day God actually delivered me. That was the day we went. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was 2017. Went for a vigil and they brought this young pastor. And we're just praying as usual and all that. And he was just praying and I was, wait, just because you're praying and I just broke down. I was crying. I didn't even know I was weeping, but I was weeping. I was feeling pity for myself. Mm. I was feeling broken. And he just said something that there's somebody here that has been abused and this kind of thing. And the next minute, I felt something leave him. Like I felt like I was carrying a very heavy burden that I felt free, like physically left me. So later after the service, he called me and I spoke to him. I didn't tell him I was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. I just told him that I don't like men. I found myself not being attracted to men. All this kind of stuff, like, I always get timid. Even if I'm attracted to you, I still don't. There's something always missing. Yes, I just get to get out of you easily. Um, mm. You just start irritating me at some point. So I was talking to him about it. Uh, he gave me a lot of advice and talking about closer relationship with God. And that was where I started having a relationship with God. I started having my personal time with God. So after I finished my program, I got into Smooth FM to do an internship for six months. That was the first time I worked in a media house. So it was different. Um, 
Do you started meeting people? Yeah, so you started seeing more people. I was a godly girl, just came into a, a media house, and I thought maybe coming to a media house and bringing my God was a very good thing. <laughs> ah, like my head of program always tell me, you cannot make it fine media. You you take God to personal. Mm. Uh, I thought it was a problem. Like I was like, how? What do I do? The funny thing is that, oh, I was talking to one of the producers, I was not like, I think we should be praying. <laughs> he just looked at me and said, do not ever say this in the meeting. Wow. It was in a meeting? No, no, no. It wasn't. It was like, don't ever bring up this option in whenever we're having a meeting. Don't ever mistakenly say it. <laughs> he said, do not. Don't bring, we don't bring religion to workplace. Hmm. What was your own perception about it? Don't bring religion to workplace. I was confused. I was like, I was, I didn't even, at that point, I was, I sat down, I was thinking, what did I say wrong? You felt it was bad? I didn't feel like it was bad. I didn't say it was bad. I, at that point, it was more like, it, what came into me at that point, the Holy Spirit told me that you have so much work to do. He got me understood that these people here need God. Like, there were people there, eh? That outside workplace, they were godly. But when they come to work, they are different. Hmm. Because of, oh, I'm in a workplace. I do not want people to know. So he was, te- and this person I'm talking to was a Christian, he was telling me that, I go to church. I'm this in church. I keep my God in the house. I'm like, do you keep God anyway? Because God is everywhere. So you cannot keep God. And mm. I was like, no, this is a media house. You know, people here with different religions. The last time I checked, we only had one Muslim there. Others were Christians. We hear, they say, oh, I'm going to church on Sunday. So I believe that these people are Christians. But I said, I'm not robbing my religion on anyone. I just, mm. it was just an opinion. I That's said, and let's just be praying before we start our meeting. Because I realized we're always having conflicts after the meeting. We do not agree in the meeting and so much. Well, let's pray for unity among ourselves. And I was like, no, in media, you don't bring godly things. I was like, so wait, if I'm in this world as a Christian, I cannot enjoy the things of this world because I'm a Christian. Mm. So I do not, so you're trying to tell me that in media, if I can train anywhere as a Christian. I cannot train Trained. in India. No, hmm. that's not what God told me. So we had the conversation and I was like, that is his own opinion. And I respect people's opinion a lot. I don't yeah, try to course. put my perception on you and, yeah. and all that. So when I go back home, I was just in my friend. And she told me something. She said, if it was an unbeliever that said that thing, I won't feel bad. But it gets me scared when a Christian is saying this thing. So hmm. it was like... She was not like, why would a Christian be saying this? Like, if it was an unbeliever, he won't understand because this person do not know God. So you do not understand. But you that's a Christian that claim that you know God. Oh, you are from a Christian home. Me self, I know God. Oh. Yeah. You're saying this thing. It was so weird. So I knew that I had work to do. So at that point, they always limit me to a lot of things. When I now left there to work in a TV channel, I went there and I went for a show and they told me to um, become the presenter that day. And I bought a dress. I wanted to look okay. I've seen other people present as the way they look when mm. they go to do shows and all that. So I went and I bought this jacket. It was not short, basically, but though it was not up to my knee, but it wasn't short. But I wasn't comfortable. So I decided to carry a trouser and then turn it into blazers. So after the whole show, my boss was like, Oh, you did well, but I didn't like your outfit. She wear something more sexy. I was confused. I said, ah, Sir, that was okay and decent. It was like, What do you define decent? Hmm. I was like, the way I dress is decency. I'm not saying any other person does not dread decent, but what I see decent is something that you're comfortable with and is not exposing those parts of your body that shouldn't be exposed hmm. and all that. It was like, okay, but you should wear something. This is this is a media, this is a show. You should dress like the event and all that. I was like, sir, last time I checked, I tried my best. I dressed like the events. I saw people dressing like me too. Mm. Do you get? So it was like, no, that's ah, like I didn't even do my nails. I didn't even do I should be doing those nines crazy. Like there's a way you should look. You're working for a music channel. Mm. And obviously it's a music channel, nine Jesus. So I'm working for a music, so I have to look those way. It's not like if you can't do that, then you have to look for someone that will replace you. Eventually I found somebody and she was so happy about the job. Let me ask you a question. So in Trying to balance Christianity and involving your workplace, it was a lot challenging for you. Very, very, very challenging. Do you think every other Christian out there are actually going through this too? Yes, a lot of them. I even know some that have left their Christianity. Oh, because of, oh, 
Ah. They wanted to satisfy. Yeah, they want to satisfy this the is, world. This is a major topic, actually. Trying to balance culture. I mean, culture, like the way workspaces has always been doing their things. Because I'm a Christian, I think we should pray. And then somebody trying to oppose that. And I feel it's a, it's a, it's a major talk on it, on a different one. If there are um, other times, I would love you to come on explain. So what's your spiritual life? right now with god because basically you've been saying it's god 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 even in all those challenges as a young girl my life with god right now has been amazing it has been growth it has been so much correction Mm. so much rebuking (laughs) like i have made mistakes Mm. i learn on learn rather i unlearn I relearn or how to say it accordingly, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it has been an amazing experience. And will I say I am not making mistakes? I am still making mistakes mm. every day. Mm. Someone will ask me, what did you do today? What I always tell the person is that mistake. I made a mistake today. <laughs> I'm still making mistakes. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still getting, I'm still trying to understand god i'm still trying to fully love god i don't don't think i can actually fully love god because the god that we serve whether you love him less or more more. his love is still there it doesn't change it it doesn't change rather so i'm still trying to be obedient to god there's this book i'm reading by kevin de young the ten commandments and this book opened a different level of what the ten commandments mean like Mm. it was not you know we see we we see god as an authority yeah, like that shall see. not yes even when the but commandments we don't we don't it. have we don't know that he's a father he's a mm. friend he's more than just that like so when we do something there's this thing that comes with shame okay condemnation yeah condemnation and you, you decide to relax there and be okay with it that's but what the devil wants that's what the devil wants you just stay there live with guilt and all that so mm. i've gotten to a place that when i do something even if i make that mistake 10 times i never still stop telling god god i'm sorry I never say. I sometimes the guilt will come back and say, "Oh, you will do it again." Mm. I'm like, "It's a journey. It's a journey. I will go through it." And I'm willing to move. And I'm willing to move it. Another thing I struggled with at some points when this whole sexual abuse was when I started growing up. Now, so it was this mentality of, "Oh, you need to not have sex." Then I started finding myself going into masturbation. It was another level of struggle. So it was, it was, it was a very serious thing. Like after I'm done with it, I feel very weak. I feel very disgusted. I feel very bitter. It was more like, as I'm healing from this, I'm going into another. another. As I'm healing from this, I'm going to another. But what I realized was that your life with God has to be every day, every night, every morning, every evening. So most of the time, when people say, oh, every time of your life is all about God, you do not understand because mm. I don't know about you, but I know what the devil is after. So every period of time i'm always awake like i am always awake like i you can't find me being there i'm always awake i'm always alert because the devil is just waiting for every little opportunity and the moving and the moving he's just waiting i was always so i was reading books i'll browse online how to stop this masturbation so what i realized that when i continuously read my bible pray spend time with god mm. i forget those things mm. they may like see myself drifting away those thoughts comes back again i told myself this has to be my lifestyle yeah this is something mm. it's not because i do not want to stop it but the devil will still bring he will bring it back again he will bring it back again and sometimes it's bringing it to test you oh, yeah so most of the time it got to some point that i realized that i struggled to a point that i kept on doing constant that was 2016 2017 i kept on doing it and and then i stopped at some point and when i stopped i started becoming very close to god i realized that one year no i was watching somebody was talking about something person just said masturbation and i remember i was like oh my god this is one year and i can't even remember that anymore Mm. wow god is really working but doesn't mean because of that i stopped and i was Mm. relaxed no because it was not by my mind it was not by my strength it was not it was by just by the grace of god so i just kept on and i kept on so most of the time i try to be awake i know what the devil used to come attack me with everybody has theirs some people Mm. you say oh use it fashion mine yeah it comes to sexual desires that's Mm. what the devil wants to use and attack me most of the time he brings it up oh you have been abused oh go and do this thing you want to keep yourself keep yourself but at least enjoy Mm. yourself to the other part so i know what comes as an attack by myself and this knowledge i got this knowledge first from my mom my mom used to be the one that used to tell me about um understanding what sex is all about 
she used to tell me the impact on how it's not just a physical thing, mm, how it can affect you spiritually and so much more and all that. And this sex talk, I don't think it's meant to be a topic for a day because <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. I, I, I'm so concerned about it because mm. that is the highest struggle we have mm. as youth. Nobody yeah. wants to talk about it. Everybody's shining away from Everybody's it. Everybody's shining away from it. That is, that is what... 80% of our youths are struggling with every day, especially mm. the Christians in church. Mm. That has really been my experience, like my spiritual life. Let me ask you a blunt yeah. question here. Do you think you've forgiven everybody that has, in one way or the other, abused you? Yes, I have. I'm very 100% sure. Was it a journey for you? Was because it a process? I hope to still meet them someday. Wow. Not for anything, but to just see if these people are okay are these people okay have they moved on the particular other one that i know is still alive and he's still doing it in fact after it happened i my mom was telling me the other day like just see me on phone ah can you remember this so and so this and that he's when she told me in my head i'm like he's still in it but your mom doesn't know about she doesn't it know. She, i'm like in my head i'm like this guy is still in this thing he abused his own sister's daughter she's married now so my mom was telling me she was like ah when we, when we were little, he did it to um so so and so's daughter. I was like, he's like, is that bad that they, in their environment they know him? Like, you know, this is the person that. And there's so many times police have come to look for him. He has run away. Like he's still dwelling in it. Let me ask you this question again, okay? Because I do ask myself a lot these questions, and I'm like, even when I ask some people, they will tell me leave the judgments to God. God is the judge. Let Him judge Him. Yeah. But is it part of me that still wants to do some things? If you were in a place to decide if this particular person should go to prison or not, or you would say to yourself that I would rather forgive him, I would forgive him. But if you were in an, um, how would I put it, in an authoritarian position to give the authority and to say, okay, I would let him go to prison for this, or rather I would give, forgive him if that is okay. But what would you do? I will only forgive you if you have realized what you're doing is wrong. Because... It's just like these issues that happen when someone rapes a girl and sometimes I hear they let him go. How do you feel when you hear that? It's painful because why did you just let him go? Because he's going back to do it to someone else. So there's consequences for what you do. Just face it. Even as much as I'm sending you to prison doesn't mean I don't forgive you. Mm. But you have to go and suffer for your consequences because people will never stop doing things till they realize mm. That's like, it's the way sin is. People will never stop sinning till they come to the point of knowing that what they are doing is wrong. This is a large, this is a large um, conversation. It's really broad. And I hope everybody listening that you can just move ahead with um, the way this conversation is actually going. And it's really, really powerful. To be honest with you, I've learned a lot. Like I have learned a lot, especially when you said, because I've forgiven you does not mean you don't have to face the consequences of the things that you did. This is a very powerful one for everybody listening yes but i would love you to say one thing if you had to say one thing to um anybody listening out there that has been sexually abused in one way or the other what would you like to say to the person um firstly i'll have to say talk to someone about it mm. it's very important share it with someone that you trust someone you can confide in not someone that would use your your story. your story for fun or make fun of you not someone that will question you and ask you where were you why were you there why did you have to wear these no why didn't you tell your parents no talk to someone and i believe this should be somebody that is spiritually like your pastor somebody that you can relate with someone that you can talk to that you know that will listen to you and someone that will not judge you mm. And secondly, you should be ready to be healed. You should be ready to go through the healing process. Mm. And the one thing about healing that it is not something that ends in one month, one day, one year. Healing is a process. You have to heal and you have to heal fully. Allow mm. yourself heal fully because it's going to be a long process. It's going to be a long time. It's going to really take a lot of time, a lot of time because it will still flash back. I mean, to me, what even happens to me is that when I, sometimes when I even see girls with boys at some point, when I say I'm like, this guy do not look like. <laughs> I saw everybody becomes a suspect. <laughs> everybody, there was a time that everybody was a suspect to me. So you have to allow yourself heal fully. Have I healed fully? No, I'm still in my healing process. Mm. I'm still in my healing process. I still have things I'm struggling with. I still have things, but I believe that with God, all things. I I I just know that as far as God is by my side, 
Mm. I'm going through whatever it is. Mm. And do not let your struggles or whatever things that you've experienced to define who you are. So if you've been sexually abused, talk to someone about it. And it doesn't only affect you physically. It affects you spiritually. It does. I don't know how many people do not want to believe in this, but it does. Mm. In one way or the other, it does. So you need help. And most importantly, you should have God in your life. Like, this life is nothing without God. It's just nothing. Your life doesn't even make sense without God. It doesn't even make sense. It can't... There's no... You don't even have an existence without God. Mm, You're just living. Like, you're just living. And that's not what God wants for. God did not just bring you to this world to just live. He brought you to make impact, to fulfill purpose. So you have to have God. You have to have God by your side. And you have to take him serious. I'm not just talking about being a church goer or saying I'm a Christian or, oh, yes, I've been going to church every Sunday. I'm not talking about every Sunday Christian. Serve God. Serve God. Have a personal relationship with him. Know God for yourself, not for anybody, not Mm. for your parents, not for the fact that, oh, I need to go to church because I am a Christian. No, know him for yourself. And when you get to actually know, you get to realize that there is so much more in this relationship with God than what we see. Mm. There is so much more. And when you get to understand and know who God is and have a relationship with him, you realize that even your past and your experiences, it will be like, it will be, be a funny game. You, you will tell yourself that, God, thank you for allowing these things, mm. for allowing me to go through these things, for me to be where I am today. Mm. So, yeah, that's what basically I can tell anyone listening to this. Thank you, really. Thank you so, so much. Um, finally, I want you all to understand that our dealings are different from each other and then our journeys too are different from each other. But there's a lot to be learned and there's a lot that has been said from Ms. Boma and... I would want you to listen to this. Even after you listen, you can go on your knees. If you want to sit down, you can sit down. If you want to bow your heads, you can bow your heads. You can just be sincere with yourself and sincere with God, even in the pains that you go through, even in the struggles that you are going through and let him really understand. And like she said, make sure you have a personal relationship with him. Different from what your pastors may be saying, it is much more than that. It is much more than what you hear on the Sunday service. It's a different relationship with God. And as you listen to this, I believe there's a healing process going on already. And I want you to really, really fully heal. Like she has said, there's a need for you to be healed. And I believe God is doing this already. So really, thank you everybody for listening. And um, we hope to see you next time again. Thank you for joining this episode today. I believe a lot has been said. And personally, it is really eye-opening for me. I hope you can listen to this and turn your fears into courage. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with families and friends. It is available on Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Spotify. Just simply search for Purpose in Every Pain and click. There you go. Do well to take care of your body and mind. And note, until you see the purpose in your pain, it will remain painful. Bye and have a productive month. I love you.